0: as followers of the God who set his heart down in these 10 words and showed us over and over and over in Scripture that we are followers of truth. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out our website and social media. Now, here's our special guest speaker, Amberly Striebeck. So Ryan has again invited me um, to share the pulpit and to participate in this series that we're doing on the Ten Commandments. And I'm going to say again, I don't, I don't know about you, but it's been really, really good for me. This has been eye-opening and insightful, and I had no idea. I had no idea how much I was missing on, yeah, 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 the Ten Commandments, yada, yada, blah, blah. And every week has been something new and something good. Um, but I'm also a little bit of a slow learner, and I really like review. I just, I always really liked review days before the test, that really helped me. Um, so to start our sermon today, um, for those of you who have been here, for all of them, this may be completely redundant, but in case you've missed one or in case you learn like me and you need to hear it again, I wanted to do a quick review. How did we get all the way to this eighth word? And as we're reviewing, I'm, I'm remembering that these aren't just instructions, these aren't just um, sort of arbitrary Right? These are the shaping words that God gave to the baby nation of Israel as they came out of slavery, and it reveals God's heart for them and for us in the world. And he began with the one that we've read every week: I am the Lord your God who brought you out of bondage. You shall have no other gods but me. You shall not make for yourself any idol. And in this one we get to celebrate that we have a good and saving God, not a punitive, punishing, evasive God who stays far away, we have a saving God who comes near for the purpose of setting us free, and we can celebrate and honor and protect our hearts in knowing we don't need another God. There is no need for idols. All of the good things in my life, even the very best things in my life, make really lousy gods, and it is good for me to protect the place in my heart. And to honor and uphold and celebrate that God and God alone is worthy of our worship. The second one is that we should not bear the name of the Lord in vain. And here we get to honor and celebrate, uphold and protect the name of God in the world. We get to represent the family well. The third one is to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. We get to honor, uphold, celebrate and protect the gift of Sabbath. And then we move really more deeply into how we relate to one another. Not just how we relate to God, but how we relate to each other. And we should honor our father and mother. We get to honor, celebrate, protect, and uphold the people who have taken care of us. We should not murder. We get to honor, celebrate, uphold, and protect the lives of the people around us. We should not commit adultery. We should instead honor, protect, celebrate, and uphold the marriages of people around us. We should not steal, he told us about last week. We get to instead honor, celebrate, uphold, and protect the possessions of the people around us. And so today we come to the eighth one that says, you shall not lie about your neighbor. You shall not bear false witness about your neighbor. We get to honor, celebrate, uphold, and protect the reputation of the people around us. That's the invitation of the eighth word. Now, you may have seen it represented, you know, when the 10 Commandments are put up somewhere kind of shorthand, this just says, don't lie. Which, there's a connection, obviously, and we're gonna unpack that a little bit more in a minute, but this is a very specific form of lying. To bear false witness about your neighbor, to lie about your neighbor, isn't just about myself being a person of integrity or of honesty being a truth teller. This is about the impact that my dishonesty can have on the lives of the people around me. And certainly it would do harm to my own heart and possibly to my relationship to God if I were to be a deceptive person instead of a truthful person. But this addresses particularly the harm that it can do to my neighbor, to the people around me, to not tell the truth about them in particular. So let's situate this first in the real time and space of the baby nation of Israel. Here you have, again, people who have been in slavery for generation upon generation. And we've noted throughout how many of these commandments that could seem like just harsh instruction are actually gifts, like, hey, take a day off. Or even, don't murder. Their lives were not worth very much in slavery. They were sort of disposable people. One of the inciting events was the massacre of the newborns. These lives were disposable. To even say, don't murder, is to say, this is a nation full of lives worth protecting. So in this one, we are handed this, you should not lie about your neighbor, which has not it the gift that your word matters. It gave them legal status. The term for, uh, that's translated in some cases, bear witness, is legal terminology that was used in legal documents in various places in the uh, ancient Near Eastern world at the time. Now, again, they had been in slavery. One Egyptian, just one, of almost any status, says, hey, that Hebrew slave stole my ox. Then three or 30 or 300 Hebrews could have said, no he didn't, your ox wandered off and God himself killed because you left the gate open, and it wouldn't matter. Their voice didn't account for anything. So what God is telling them here is that your voice matters. It gives them this legal standing in the community that they've never had before, this weightiness This idea that your words can influence decisions that are gonna be carried out and enforced by the community around you. So do it well. Be careful. And it gave them legal status in a time when um, witness is the only evidence available. Do you know what I'm saying? Anybody else like true crime junkies, watch a lot of Netflix, Yeah, there they are. Okay, CSI or, I mean. And this is a time when the legal status of someone is gonna be decided by witness alone. Character witness, eyewitness of events, something. But there's no DNA evidence, there's no video surveillance, there's no fingerprint technology. Like, there's, there's nothing else but the word of the people around you. So it's always been important. It's still important. It's still important. All of those other technologies that we have haven't made the power of the witness go away. It's a weighty and important thing. It is upheld throughout Scripture of how important this is, and we see sort of positive and negative dimensions of how important uh, an an honest witness can be in the lives of the people. Um, as uh, As the Hebrew law gets fleshed out, in greater detail later, like in, uh, in Deuteronomy, there is some more explanation about how to be a truthful witness and, and the consequences of not. And I thought this was interesting. It has sort of a, uh, it has a sliding scale of repercussions if, you're a, if you are a false witness. And it says uh, in the Old Testament that if a witness is found to be false, then do to the witness what they wanted to do to the person they lied about. So it's a sliding scale. If you lie about your neighbor being a thief, then you should, if proven to be a liar, get the punishment of a thief. But if you lie about your neighbor being a murderer, then you should get the punishment of being a murderer if you're shown to be an untrue witness. It puts some real gravity to the words that we say and how they can influence people. The other thing that's upheld interestingly throughout Scripture, and we don't have time to unpack all the occasions today, is the connection between this eighth word and the second one. Um, I know you all have the numbers memorized, right? The eighth word that we're doing today is do not bear false witness against your neighbor. But the second one is do not bear the name of the Lord in vain. And there are several occasions and which you see a connection between someone who is willing to misrepresent the character and the actions of their neighbor, also being a person who is willing to misrepresent the actions and the character of their God, and vice versa. Someone who cannot accurately reflect the actions and character of God in the world has a hard time accurately reflecting the character and actions of their neighbor in the world. They go together. In fact, our legal system for a long time, dating even before America back into the English roots of the way we handle our laws and and English system, our legal system, we connect them. Remember, put your left hand on the Bible. Raise your right hand. And does this look familiar to anybody? (laughs) I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me, God. And I don't know if it was a good or a bad thing, but it was an intentional connection between those two. We were trying to say these are both important. Represent God well, represent your neighbor well. Now, we have of course exemptions today. Um, People object to swearing on the Bible, and so actually when I was investigating this, I assumed that that was modern, I was pretty sure it was probably American, and it probably stemmed from, you know, people who didn't practice the Christian faith. It made sense to me that they would object to swearing on the Bible if this isn't their holy book. But um, I was surprised to find out that the reason there's an alternative to swearing that particular oath uh, came from Christians. It came from Christians in 1865 in England, and there's an act in English law still today called the Quakers Act. The Quakers were a Christian sect, and the Quakers said... We can't swear an oath because we take seriously the New Testament's injunction not to swear by anything in heaven or on earth. We take seriously the New Testament instruction to let your yes be yes and your no be no. I don't wanna make an exemption today. This isn't a special case. I'm not gonna just tell the truth because you're all looking at me and making me swear. Pinky promise I really, really will this time. So there's this alternative where you are able to, instead of swearing an oath on the Bible that I'll tell the truth today, you can affirm that you are a truthful person and that you would get the same answer out of me if you asked me these questions yesterday over coffee or tomorrow when nobody's looking, as you'll get right now when everybody is. So there's the connection. Remember we said earlier the the, uh, commandment itself is not don't lie. But it is an invitation to be a truthful person throughout our lifetimes not just when somebody's watching, not just when somebody makes us really, really promise. I think the New Testament and the Quakers who read it well were on to something, that Christians ought to be able to just affirm that we are truthful people, and you can count on our word at any moment in time. So there it situates it in the real time and real space, and we see how it's traced through history. But... Practically speaking, what does this mean to us today? Because most of us have not spent, thankfully, most of our time on a witness stand in a courtroom. (laughs) And I'm grateful for this. But I don't think this strictly, of course, has legal applications. What does this mean for us practically today? How do we live as people? Why is it important that we would live as people who would not bear false witness about our neighbor? I mean, One of the thoughts that I had is, um, I mean, if I did go barging into a courtroom today and there's a court, maybe there's a case going on, something I even have some knowledge or at least an opinion about, and I started going, ooh, I want to talk. Everybody should listen to me. It's my turn. I know about that guy and I know about that guy and I know what he did and I know why she did it. Somebody, I mean, I don't know if they do this in real life. On TV, they would bang the gavel, right, and say order in the court. (laughs) But somebody would say, stop talking, it's not your turn. Nobody asked you. And I wonder if, you know, when we are constantly trying people in the court of public opinion, if we could keep ourselves from bearing false witness, if we could just stop ourselves from bearing unnecessary witness. Like, I don't have to weigh in on every conversation I overhear. I don't have to volunteer everything I might know or possibly suspect or just kind of think and feel about every opportunity that's given to me. Sometimes, we could keep ourselves from false witness if we would just hold our tongue. We don't always have to be the one to weigh in. So, we should wait until it is our responsibility. Right? Wait until it is our responsibility. But, sometimes it is our responsibility. That's the other thing. This is a weighty task, and sometimes it is our responsibility to bear witness. And so, when it is our responsibility, now this one, okay, sometimes our little cultural nuggets and gems of wisdom that we really like to hold on to and say to our kids, they're really tender and precious to us, but when they run into scripture, we have to let them go. Okay? We have to, I don't like it any more than you do, but we have to. Um, And I, preparing for this sermon, I kind of ran into one and I thought, oh, that might be part of the truth, but it's not the whole truth, right? But how many times did you hear or have you said, I've said it, if you can't say anything, nice. Don't say anything at all. Okay, kind of, okay, kind of. I mean, I get it, I get the point. Maybe you don't have to throw it out entirely. If you can't say anything, nice. Don't say anything at all. But I think, as Christians, what we have to say here is, when it is your responsibility, you just have to tell the truth, whether or not the truth is nice. Because certainly, we don't want to fall on the side of uh, fostering this culture and climate of toxic negativity. We don't want that. We don't want to walk around, of course, not making up things about our neighbors. Certainly, we'll leave that one out entirely. We don't want to just make up stuff about our neighbors. I think oftentimes maybe we bear false witness in other ways that are more subtle. Maybe we don't straight up lie, maybe we just exaggerate. There's a little bit, there's a seed of truth in what I'm saying. A little bit, I just made it a little bigger. (laughs) It's a part of the story, I made it seem like the whole story. So we exaggerate. I think another one that I came across this week um, is a particular challenge to life in a small town. We bear false witness when we don't let people change. We're not telling the whole story. I'm not saying that guy didn't do what you know exactly that he did 15 years ago, but please take into account what he's done in the 15 years since. We have to allow even the people that hurt us can grow. And can I confess to you, this is the challenge for me. This is the wall that I read into. I don't like this one. (laughs) I want to hold really, really tightly to the evidence that this person is a, and you can fill in the blank with whatever simple, short, and negative label that I want to keep, and I want to hold on to it with all my heart. I'm actually really, really articulate. Can you tell? Wow, I'm really good with words, and I can talk myself into how that conclusion is the only truth that there is, and sound really convincing when I do it, even magnanimous. And it is hard for me to account for the possibility that people can change. Well, other people, I can change. (laughs) It is hard for me to account for the possibility that other people can change. And I will fall into bearing false witness about my neighbor if I don't account for the whole story. So that's part of it. We don't want to foster this culture of toxic negativity, and we have to be able to tell some truths that are uncomfortable in that way. But I was introduced to another phrase. There's a uh, researcher at Duke Divinity School. Her name is Kate Bowler. She's a researcher and a professor there. And she says, the other thing, particularly susceptible in the church, are we? That we can also fall into toxic positivity. I know. Ow. (laughs) You're like, what? Isn't positivity positive? (laughs) What's wrong with you? And again, in general, yes. Yes. But you know the stories, and so do I, of injustices that are perpetrated because we couldn't tell hard truths about people that we like. I personally know women who were abused, and they sat beside their abuser in a pew for years. And when they finally, finally had the courage to say, hey, I'm getting beaten back in blue, they weren't believed because of toxic positivity, because, but he's such a great guy, and because he, he can't possibly have been the one to do that, and I don't wanna talk bad about anybody, and oh, it's probably none of my business anyway, so I'm just gonna look away, and we perpetuate injustices that we don't wanna face because of this toxic positivity, because we're trying to not say anything at all if we can't say anything nice. We can't be overly committed to our hurts and our cynicisms and our misjudgments and we can't be overly committed to our positive regard for everybody generally, so as long as I don't have to look at the things that make me uncomfortable. As Christians, as followers of the God who set his heart down in these 10 words and showed us over and over and over in scripture that we are followers of truth, the truth. Remember Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if we are radically committed to telling the truth, we, were, we will keep ourselves in line with the heart of God as reflected in the 10 words, as the heart of God as was lived out in Jesus. That We will be people who will automatically and without having to make a special promise to do so be able to bear true witness, to bear true witness in the world to who our neighbors are, And to bear true witness in the world to celebrate, honor, and protect their reputation. And to bear true witness to who God is. To who God is and what he can do to transform a bad reputation into a good one. That we would represent with accuracy and honesty the actions and character of our neighbors and of our God. Amen. Amen.